let's take our Bibles and let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We have seen that we are in a spiritual war against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That we are engaged in battle every day against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so Paul challenges us to be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the power of His might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. So we've been dealing with this concept of spiritual war the last couple of weeks, this text in Ephesians 6. We spent one Sunday two weeks ago talking about satanic strategies, some of the ways that the enemy will attack us. And then last week we looked at the armor of God and different the resources that God has given us. And so we dealt with the armor of God. And today in our text we move on to prayer. Paul's going to move on to prayer. He doesn't call it another item in the armor. So he kind of drops that metaphor. And I would submit because prayer is really the framework for all of it. Really the whole letter, everything that we've been reading. So let's take a look. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that you also may know about my circumstances, how I'm doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us, and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. You know, soldiers on the front lines have to be resupplied. They're going to need additional. As they wage the conflict there on the front lines, they're going to need additional fuel, munitions, supplies, materiel, food, all the rest. They, they need to be resupplied. Otherwise, the, that effort on the front is going to be compromised. It's going to be weakened. Well, we are on the front lines. We're in this spiritual war. We are in the front lines, and we need to be spiritually resupplied. And that's our subject this morning, our spiritual supply lines in the context of the spiritual conflict that we've been talking about these weeks. If you have your bulletin, let's take a look at these spiritual supply lines in our text. First of all, I want you to see we need to pray. We need to pray. Paul says in verse 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times. Moving out of the, the armor of God to prayer. We need to pray. It's not, you know, you really ought to pray. You should pray. It'd be better for you if you prayed. No, we must pray. We need to understand we are absolutely, completely, utterly dependent on the Lord. Really for everything. Everything every day. But especially in this realm of spiritual warfare. Especially in the realm of living the Christian life. You know, it's been said many times, the Christian life's not hard it's impossible. <laughs> we must pray. We are absolutely dependent on the Lord. Notice that Paul did not say, hey, put on the armor of self-sufficiency. Put on the armor of self-sufficiency. Put on the, the helmet of, of confidence and the breastplate of your education and put on the, take up the sword of your skills and gird your loins with the, with a true, with, with, um, 
determination. You know, he didn't say, you can do it. I believe in you. Try hard. Do your best. No. Put on the armor of God. Be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. It all comes to the Lord. We are absolutely dependent on God. All of this comes out of our relationship with the Lord. I mean, that is the Christian life. That's what it means to be a Christian. You have a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's not baptism. It's not getting joining the church or signing a card. It is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. That is the Christian life, to live out that, that, that relationship day by day by day. And the lifeblood of that relationship is prayer communing with God on a daily basis. We need to be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. He's the one who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or imagine, as we read in Ephesians. We need to tap into God's power. How do we do that? Prayer. Prayer is the key. We need to put on the full armor of God. How do we do that? Prayer is the key. It all comes back to prayer. R. Kent Hughes said this, The Christian soldier fights on his knees. The Christian soldier fights on his knees. Prayer is our vital supply line. Edward Payson said this, Prayer is the first thing, the second thing, the third thing necessary to minister. Therefore, my dear brother, pray, pray, pray. It is first, second, third, it is last, it is, it is our supply line. Now, how should we pray? Paul's going to help us. He says, with all prayer and petition, we need to pray all kinds of prayers. He uses two different words for prayer. The word for prayer there is a very generic word, normal word for prayer. And then petition, petition, entreaties, requests. And it's kind of like a figure of speech, you know, from A to Z. It's not just A and it's not just Z. It's everything in between. Petition and prayer and all kinds of prayer. Paul told Timothy in, in 1 Timothy 2, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. We need to pray with all kinds of prayers. Now, what kinds of prayers are there? Well, let me give you a short little summary. There's an old acrostic, been around forever and ever. I don't remember it not being around. There's an old acrostic, A-C-T-S, Acts. Here's a good outline for your prayer life. It's not the only way to pray, but here, here it's the basis. A, A is for adoration, adoring God. That's praise prayer. Praising God for His attributes. Praising Him for who He is and what He is. Telling Him how much you love Him. Praise and worship prayer. A, adoration. Then there's C, confession prayer. Confession. Even though you are saved, you are still going to sin. We, we, we fight the world, the flesh, and the devil, and we don't win them all. We, leave, we lose a lot. And so every day we need to come to the Lord as believers and confess our sin. Lord, I said something I shouldn't have said. I did something I shouldn't have did. I thought something I shouldn't have thought. Lord, forgive me. Conduct unbecoming. I confess it. I own it. Please forgive me. Cleanse me. I want to be right with you. I want to be close to you. Forgive me. And the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there's confession. And then T, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving prayers. Thanking God for what he has done, what he has how, what he has given, thanking God for his provision, thanking God for his faithfulness, thanking God for how he answered your prayers, thanking God for this, that, and the other with thanksgiving. And then there's S, supplication. This is the ask. This is the petitions. Asking God. You can ask for yourself. 
And the Bible says, let all your requests be known to God. We ask for wisdom. So you ask God for what you need. Lord, give me wisdom. Give me strength. Give me patience. Lord, help me in this. Solve this problem. Meet this need. Whatever it is, asking for yourself. Casting all your cares on Him because He cares for you. And then asking for others. That's intercession. Praying on behalf of other people. Lord, would you please help them, strengthen them, encourage them, whatever it is. Praying for others. You know, the Bible says that Jesus is making intercession for you and for me. Jesus is praying for you today. That's good to know, isn't it? Here's how that goes for me. When Jesus is praying for me, Lord, help the boy. You know, Father, help that boy. I don't know what we're going to do with him. No, but Jesus is praying for you. So we need to pray with all kinds of prayer. Now, notice he says, we need to pray with all kinds of prayer, and we need to pray at all times. Pray with all prayer and petition. Pray at all times. To the Thessalonians, Paul would put it this way, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Pray at all times. Now, you and I know, you can't spend the whole day like this. Eyes, eyes closed, head bowed, you know, hands put together, our Father. You, you, you can't spend the day like that. You've got work to do, things to do, people to see. I mean, you've you got to focus on the work at hand. But the idea is that prayer is to be a regular, systematic, continual part of your life. There's a continual God consciousness that God is never far from your thoughts or your focus. Now, granted, when you've got work to do, you've got to focus on the work and whatever it is that's right in front of you, you've got to focus on that thing at that time. But you're never far from God, and God is never far from you. He's never far. You, you can talk to the Lord, whisper to the Lord, breathe the Lord all day. It's not just in the morning or at night or on Sundays, but it's a God consciousness all the time. I love how Klein Snodgrass put it. He said this, The believer's entire life is one large prayer to God. All of life is to be prayed, not just lived. We cannot spend all of life, quote, having our quiet time, but we can continually be in communion with God. Christians are not merely to experience their joys and problems, but to assess them in dialogue with God. Prayer is a kind of spiritual breathing. I like that. A spiritual breathing throughout the day, a, an awareness of God, a consciousness of God, a communing with God all day, every day. So we're to pray with all kinds of prayer. We're to pray at all times. And then he says, in the Spirit. We need to pray in the Spirit. We heard him say back in Ephesians chapter 5, don't be drunk with wine, that's dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. You don't need to be under the influence of alcohol, but you do need to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And we pray in the Spirit, by the Spirit, with the Spirit. That is to say the Holy Spirit influences, leads, guides our praying. Let me show you an interesting passage. Hang on to Ephesians. And go with me to Romans 8. In Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. We don't know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That's praying in the Spirit. Where the Holy Spirit guides and informs our prayers, leads us in our prayers, intercedes for us, and sometimes the Spirit prays when we don't know how to pray. He can pray for us. 
We pray in, with, and by the Spirit. Have you ever had a time when you really didn't know how to pray? I know I need to pray for this person. I need to pray for this situation. I'm not, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to ask for, though. Maybe it's a, a senior adult, a Christian saint, someone who is mature in their faith, and yet, man, they're in bad shape. Their body is, the body is going out or their mind is going out, and it's just pitiful. They're in pain, but it, it's just sad. How do you pray? Do you pray for healing? Well, of course. God, I know you can heal them with just the thought in your mind. Lord, that's what I wish. I wish they could be happy and healthy and whole and clear-minded and, and have strength and vigor and vitality. Lord, heal them. Bring them right out of that bed. And I want them around here for a long, long time. Lord, heal them. On the other hand, death is the way of all the earth. Everybody dies. It's, a part, it's, it's life. And the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after this judgment. Maybe we don't pray for healing. Maybe we pray, Lord, if you're not going to heal them, just take them. Just bring them home. The best thing that could happen is for them to be with you. The worst thing that could happen is for them to stay here in this condition. I'm not sure how to pray. The Holy Spirit leads. Lord, have mercy. And then we can always just drop ten and punt. Not my will, but thy will be done, Lord. You know what's best. And the one who intercedes, the one who searches the hearts, he knows the will of the Father. He prays with us or for us when we don't know how to pray. Maybe it's like this. Maybe you're praying for somebody. Man, they're in a hot mess. Their their life is a mess. It's a train wreck. It is just what a mess. And you pray for them. It's a painful situation. It's a hurtful situation. It's a stressful situation. Maybe it's your own grown children. How do you pray? You pray, Lord, would you fix that problem? Solve it. Make it go away. Just, just fix it. Take away the stress and the pain and the grief. And God, just sort it out and just, just fix it. Or maybe it'd be better if God doesn't fix it. Maybe it's better if they have some problems and they come to a place where, you know, we need the Lord. Has that ever happened to you? Where the only way God can get you to look up is put you on your back? <laughs> oh, now I got your attention. When you come to the end of your rope, the end of your self-sufficiency, and all of a sudden now, I need God, we need God, we got to get, we know better. And so maybe we don't want to pray that the problem gets solved. Maybe, maybe we need to pray that God would use this problem to do what God wants to do in their life. Huh, not sure how to pray. The Holy Spirit will lead. The Holy Spirit guides. And then, not my will, but thy will be done. We're to pray, all kinds of prayer, at all times, in the Spirit, and then with vigilance and perseverance. He says, pray with this in view. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition. So with all, all perseverance. Be on the alert with all perseverance. So with vigilance and perseverance. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus told the disciples, watch and pray. Watch and pray, lest you fall into temptation. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray. Later on, when he's talking about his return, he says, take heed, keep on the alert. You don't know when the appointed time will come. Here in the context of spiritual warfare, we're to be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion walking about, he, seeking whom he may devour. You don't know from what direction the enemy might attack. You don't know what method, what tactic, what scheme he's going to use next time around. So be sober, be vigilant, be on the, look, be on the lookout, be 
Be ready. So watch and pray with all vigilance and perseverance. And then pray for all the saints. He says, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. The enemy won't just attack you. The enemy will attack your spouse. The enemy will attack your child. The enemy will attack your friend. The enemy will attack the person sitting in the pew next to you. The enemy will attack all of us. So we need to pray for all the saints. We need to pray for each other. Now, can we talk? We're in church, so let's be honest, okay? Can we talk? When we get a bunch of Christians together and we say, y'all have any prayer requests? Maybe it's in a Sunday school class or a prayer huddle or a Bible study group. Get a bunch of Christians together. We say, okay, we're going to take prayer requests. Y'all have any prayer requests? 90% of the time, what does it turn into? An organ recital. Pray for Kevin's kidneys. He's having real trouble with his kidneys. Well, pray for Bob's bladder. He's, he's having bladder trouble. Pray for Lucy's lungs. Bless her heart. She's got lung problems. Pray for Fanny's feet. Her feet are really giving her a problem. Pray, 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 for, pray for somebody's legs. I mean, it's like it's fourth grade science class. You know, how much anatomy do you know? It's an organ recital. Praying for all these people with all their physical ailments. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying for healing. If I'm sick and I'm hurting, please pray for me and pray for healing. I'll help you. I'll guide your prayer. Pray, pray that the pain would go away and pray that I'd feel better. But we've got bigger fish to fry. Nothing wrong with praying for healing. God is our great physician, but we've got bigger fish to fry. Someone has said we spend more time trying to keep the saints out of heaven than we do trying to keep sinners out of hell. We need to pray. Pray for healing. That's fine. But folks, we need to pray for the lost. We need to pray for evangelism. Pray for the vitality and the strength of the church. We need to pray that we would put on the full armor of God. Remember, it's all plural. Y'all be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Y'all put on the full armor of God. We need to pray that we would stand strong, that we would resist in the evil day and, and stand firm. I face the world, the flesh, and the devil every day. I need you to pray for me. You face the world, the flesh, and the devil every day. You need me to pray for you. We need to pray for each other. In fact, look, look at Paul. Look, he models this for us. He shows us what this looks like. Look in Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians 1, Paul prays for these people. In Ephesians 1, in verse 16, he says, I don't cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you'll know what is the hope of his calling, the riches of his glory, of the, his inheritance in the saints, what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. Move over to chapter 3. Chapter 3 and verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love would be able to comprehend with all the saints whether it is the depth, length, height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that, he may, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. So he's praying for these folks, not just for physical ailments, but for their spiritual strength, that they would know the power, the resources that God has at their disposal. Praying that they would grow in that experience and the knowledge of God's power available to them. Well, we need to pray at all times for all the saints. At all kinds, at all times, 
in the Spirit with vigilance and perseverance for all the saints. So we need to pray. Here's the second supply line I want you to see. We need prayer. (laughs) We need to pray, and we need prayer. That is to say, we need to be prayed for. We need to pray, and we need to be prayed for. Back in seminary days, us snarky, sarcastic seminary students would say to one another, hey, brother, would you pray for me? You know, I got this thing going on at church or whatever else. Hey, would you pray for me? Because, you know, heaven knows I need the prayer and you need the practice. You know, that's kind of snarky, isn't it? I need the prayer and you need the practice. Well, there's some truth in the snark. I do need the prayer and you do need the practice. And you need the prayer and I need the practice. We need to be prayed for. Listen to Paul in verse 19. Paul says, you know, hey, y'all need to be praying at all times for all the saints and all this. And then he says in verse 19, hey, and y'all pray for me. Pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. And in, in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So Paul says, hey, y'all pray for me too. Y'all need to be praying. Pray for each other. Pray at all times in the Spirit. Pray for all the saints and pray for me. Now, what does he say how to pray for him? Pray for me. I'm in chains. Remember, this is a prison epistle. Paul is in chains. He is awaiting his day in court. He does not say, pray for my lawyer, that I, that I have a good lawyer and I can get out of here. That's not what he asks prayer for. This is not fair. It's unjust. And pray, that, pray for the judge that I would finally get justice and get out of here. That's not what he prays for. It's not how he wants to be prayed for. He, it's not a list of physical ailments. Man, this cold weather is really firing up my arthritis. Would y'all pray for my arthritis and pray for this? And I got a head cold, and man, it's just really frustrating. Pray, pray, pray for healing and, and comfort. And no, what does he pray for? Boldness and clarity in sharing the gospel. Pray for me that I will proclaim the gospel clearly and boldly. Remember, he's in he's in chains. He is awaiting. His day in court. He has appealed to Caesar. And one day, he's going to stand before the most powerful men in the Roman Empire, Nero included. You know, that's an intimidating scenario, isn't it? It would be easy to turn that into a plea for justice, a, a plea of his innocence, and, and I've been unjustly accused and all this, or to be intimidated by these men who wield such power. In fact, Nero holds his life in his hands. It would be easy to chicken out, water it down, back up. And he says, I don't want to do that. Y'all pray for me. Pray that I would be bold. And pray that I present the gospel the way it's supposed to be presented. Because these folks, they're going to hear the gospel. That, I mean, what a scenario. If you knew that you were going to go to the White House and you were going to have an audience with the folks in the White House, that, that's an intimidating thought. You're going to address the Supreme Court. You're going to stand before the houses of Congress. You would want boldness and clarity. These people are going to hear the gospel like they've never heard it before. Pray for me. Pray that I don't wimp out, chicken out, freeze or choke. Pray for boldness and clarity. That's how he prays. Hey, same thing to the Colossians. He tells the Colossians, pray at the same time for us as well, that God will open up a door for us to, uh, for the word, that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I've also been in prison. He tells the Thessalonians, pray for us, that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified just as it also did with you. So he says, pray for me. Again, nothing wrong with praying for healing and all the rest, 
But here he's praying for boldness in proclaiming the gospel, evangelism, that the word of God may go forth. And then thirdly, we need each other. We need to pray. We need prayer. We need to be prayed for. And then we need each other. We need each other in this in this context of spiritual warfare and living the Christian life. We need each other. In verse 21, so that you also may know about my circumstances, my situation, how I'm doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. When I think of the Apostle Paul, I think of this larger-than-life character, this singularly brilliant man who was so mightily used of God. He penned 13 letters of our New Testament. It, it would almost seem like single-handedly he opened the Gentile world to the gospel and, and planted churches from Jerusalem to Rome. Just, I mean, what a man of God. When I grow up, I want to be like the Apostle Paul. Yeah, right, <laughs> that, like that's going to happen. I want to be like him, this larger-than-life figure. But if you take a closer look, you'll find out Paul is no lone ranger. Paul is always with a team. He's not this superhero out there changing the world by himself. He's always got folks around him. Paul needed help. At the end of Colossians, he names like 10 people who are with him. At the end of Romans, he names 16 people who are with him. As you read the book of Acts, there are dozens and dozens of people who are a part of his ministry. Here we've got Tychicus with him. Paul, this giant of the faith, needed help. He needed help writing his letters. He needed help. He needed ministry. He needed comfort. He needed encouragement. Paul was never alone. He was always part of a team. Point being, we need each other. We need each other. No matter how strong a Christian you are, no, how, no matter how mature you are in the faith, no, no, no matter your age, you need help too. You need your brothers and sisters in Christ. You need ministry. You need comfort. You need encouragement. You need accountability. You need discipling. We all need each other. It's part of our supply line. How are we going to put on the full armor of God? How are we going to stand strong in the Lord? Prayer. Prayer is a supply line. It's our lifeline, the people of God. It's a supply line, the people of God, and then the Word of God. There's safety and strength in numbers. And then, fourthly, I want you to see we need to show up. We need to pray, we need prayer, we need each other, and we need to show up. Paul sends Tychicus, so that you might know how I'm doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. Paul sends Tychicus. What we, what we know, what we think we know about Tychicus is that he's from Asia. He's from Ephesus, probably saved during Paul's ministry in Ephesus, highly likely. But he's mentioned like five times in the New Testament. He's with Paul a lot. And here Tychicus is with Paul in Rome. Now he's not in chains, but he's with Paul. And Paul is going to send Tychicus from Rome all the way to Ephesus, the churches of Ephesus. He's also carrying a letter. I mean, he's got this letter to the churches at Ephesus. He's also carrying a letter to the church at Colossae. So he's going to go over to Colossae too. And then he's also got Onesimus, the runaway slave, with him. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago. And so he's got a, a letter to go with Onesimus to his owner, Philemon. 
That's also in your Bible. So Paul sends Tychicus with Onesimus and these three letters. It's about a 12 or 1300 mile journey. It would take months to get there. Paul calls him a beloved brother. He is my beloved brother in the Lord and a faithful minister. The word minister is diakonos. Where do we get the word deacon from? He is a faithful servant in the Lord. He's my beloved brother and a faithful servant. And he's going to come tell you about our situation, our, our circumstances, what's going on with us, so that you can be comforted and you can be encouraged. He's also going to go to Colossae and all the rest. What if? What if Tychicus couldn't be bothered? I mean, this is a big deal. Tychicus, I want you to do something for me. Sure, Paul, what you need? I want you to go. <laughs> I want you to go to Ephesus and Colossae, take these letters, take Onesimus with him, carry him back to Philemon. This is months and months of travel. It could be dangerous. What if Tychicus said, Nah, I don't think I want to do that, Paul. Paul, I'm kind of busy. It's just not a good time for me. You know, kids are in school. The boys are playing ball. I don't really have time. You know, I'm a mailman during the daytime. I don't want to do it on weekends too. You know, I'm underqualified. I, that's, that's, that's too much for me. Or I'm overqualified. Get somebody that I, I, I can be better used elsewhere. What if Tychicus had bailed out? You might not have Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon in your Bible. Here's the point. Everybody in the body of Christ has a job. Everybody has a role to play. We are all members of the body. If you know Jesus Christ, we are all members of the body. Now, elsewhere, Paul teaches us, now, we're not, we don't all have the same function. It's like a body. Not everybody's a hand. Not everybody's a foot. They're everybody. We've got different gifts, different ministries, different callings, different equippings. But everybody's got something to be doing in the body of Christ. We have to step up. Everybody needs to step up, show up, and do what they're supposed to do in the body. You know, think about your, your body. If you have a hand that won't work, you have a withered hand, crippled hand, if you have a hand that doesn't work, if you have a leg that won't operate, you can't hear out of this ear, you can't see out of that right eye, we have a word for that, disability. You have a disability. Now, you're not dead. You're not useless. You can still function, but it's not optimal. You can adapt a little bit. You can make do. I make do with what I got, with the condition I have, but we call that a disability. You know what? That's the way it is in the body of Christ. When 20% of the people do 80% of the work, the church has a disability. We're not dead. We're not useless. We make do. We'll muddle, but it's not optimal. It's better than all the members do their thing. Not everybody needs to hold babies, but some can and some should. Not everybody can teach preschoolers. Some can, some should. Not everybody can work with teenagers. Some can, some should. Not everybody can be on stage. Not everybody should be on stage. <laughs> some can, some should. Not everybody can be in the sound booth. Some can, some should. You get the idea? You have a place in the body. You have a role to play. Figure it out and show up. Jump in so that the body may be fully functioning, not disabled, not making do, but ready to go. Well, 
We need to pray. We need to prayer. We need each other. We need to show up. And then lastly, we need peace, love, grace, and faith. He closes with a prayer, verse 23. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be to all those who love our Lord Christ with incorruptible love. Peace, love, grace, and faith. This is a benediction, a benedictory prayer. So he prays with his last sentence. He prays for the church that they would know and grow in their peace, love, grace, and faith. Peace of God, peace with God, peace among the brethren, the love of God, love for God, love of God shed abroad in our hearts, love in the fellowship, grace, we're saved by grace, we're sustained by grace, we're to grow in grace, we're to show grace toward others, faith, we're saved by grace through faith, we walk by faith, we're to know and walk by faith, show our faith and, uh, and share our faith as well. And really these characteristics, this, this peace, love, grace, and faith, that's the oxygen of the church. That's the atmosphere in which we live and move and breathe. So with this last sentence, this last prayer, I pray that you would know, experience, and grow in these things because that's our supply line. This is how we stand firm in the power of his might. This is how we put on the full armor of God. This is how we, this is how we stand firm to the glory of God. Well, we've got to stop. Let me ask you, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? All, all this, what we've been talking about, all of it is predicated on a personal relationship with Christ. Not just church membership or doing something religious. It all, it's all about a relationship with Jesus Christ that shapes and finds your entire life. Do you have that? Have you been saved? Has there been a time in your life when you recognize that you're a sinner before holy God, you turn from your sin, put your faith in Christ, asking and trusting him to forgive you, to save you, and to change you? Do you have that relationship with him? If not, if you're not sure, if you have doubts about that, or if you want that, I invite you to come. In a moment, we're going to stand up and sing. I'll be right here. Come to me and say, Preacher, I need Jesus. I want to be saved. However you want to say it, we'd love to talk with you and pray with you and help you with that most important decision. Or perhaps you need to follow him in baptism like these did or to join the church or pray with somebody. We'd love to do that with you as well. We invite you to come. Let's stand together quietly, reverently, prayerfully. Father in heaven, God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the church as you have designed it. We thank you for the Christian life as you have designed it. Now, Father, I pray that you'd seal this message to our hearts. And even with those things that we already knew, we already knew we're supposed to be praying. We know that. Lord, I pray that we would be motivated, challenged, and encouraged. Oh, yeah, I have to pray. I don't need to pray. I have to pray. I'm totally dependent on God. Where we know we need the church, well, now I, I really need the church. And I need to be prayed for, and I need to be praying for others. Lord, just seal this message to our hearts. Take charge of this time of decision. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.